Hello, Annie Trenders. Welcome to the Girl Taku, hosted by the Ladies of Anime Trending. We are back with another fun topic on the table. My name is Gracie once more, and I am also once again joined by. Hello, everyone. Isabel here once again on the podcast, and this is Agnes. One day, I think they will finally get tired of us introducing ourselves. Um, but without further ado, the girl talking today will be about violence in anime and being used as a storytelling device. Um, I want to preface this by saying that um, the violence we are talking about or discussing in this week's episode is not sexual violence, which I understand is a very triggering topic for certain people. If you would like us to talk about sexual violence in a later episode in regards to how anime uses it as a storytelling device, please feel free to let us know. But once again, I do want to uh, reiterate that this episode is talking about general violence and will not be including any discussions about sexual violence. So violence in anime and as a storytelling device, which is both incredibly, incredibly popular, um, I have a sort of in personal interesting relationship with it because, um, as you guys already know, uh, when I discussed how I'm not very good with horror genres, um, a lot of horror anime uses a lot of violence and, like, sort of blood gore sort of thing. And for me, um, those can be so unsettling that I can't even watch past, like, the first few minutes of an episode. Um, I'm going to use Elvin Lead as an example once again, which is, you know, a very classic anime, but the first few five minutes was extraordinary, extraordinary. I don't even know if it's a full five, like it might have been less, but just those few minutes of like extreme violence and goriness of like limbs tearing apart and like blood splattering everywhere. Like I genuinely could not stomach it. Like my own, my stomach literally felt uncomfortable. And I couldn't watch the series because of that, because I was so scared that that was how the rest of the series was going to be. On top of the fact that I am just a coward. So, but with that being said, violence in, as a storytelling device, it's like, I have a weird love-hate relationship with it because violence obviously makes things interesting. And it obviously also makes for a very intense fight. And a lot of people who watches sort of action slash more violent sort of anime are looking for that adrenaline rush, which I admittedly also feel when I see these things happen. But then at other times, it becomes so much that it sort of becomes a fetish fetish for certain people, which is actually something that I can't really understand because once again, when it becomes overboard for me, I genuinely can't even stomach it. And I would literally scroll down from like the video. So I don't have to see it anymore. And so I do want to hear uh, both of your thoughts in regards to how you guys take violence, whether it's like moderate or to an extreme level and um, how like your relationship with violence is in the anime. Violence is a really interesting topic. I also have to agree. It makes for really good action scenes or adds to a lot of suspense. But like you said, Gracie, violence has... A very weird spot where it can go really extreme to satisfy a specific fetish such as uh, body horror and gore or it's simply just there for a, a slight flavor aesthetic just to like peek into like the action genre. I personally have no qualms looking at anything that's super bloody or gory 
I'm just more of, is there anything that can support that? Is there like a compelling plot, a reason why they have to kill or do these extreme actions rather than just something that's completely pointless or meaningless? So um, would you, I guess like when we think of war anime, war anime obviously is going to be very violent. Wars are very, very violent. Historically, realistically, any sort of E um, angle you take of wars, wars are violent. And so would you say like that's, um, you know, that's good supplementation in regards to allow, uh, in regards to how violence is portrayed? Or do you even think in war stories that the violence can get too extreme at times? That's actually really interesting that you point that out because I feel that in a lot of animes that feature war, they actually tone down a bit on the gore. Um, if you read a lot of accounts of, let's say, like World War One or World War Two veterans where they talk about getting like shrapnel to the knee or, you know, body parts being exploded or their senses being bombarded by mustard gas, it's actually very horrifying to like actually read it. But war anime somehow tries to mitigate a lot of it. It just shows a bunch of dead corpses and that's it. And for like maybe two seconds, like very briefly in a flashback of some traumatic character and that's about it you uh you see kind of that in like violet evergarden for instance where it specializes in more of the aftermath of the war but you don't really see a lot of that gore or horror you see that more in the actual horror genre like say like corpse party which is very notorious for the body gore and i guess uh, i guess like to answer your question Yes, it is fine for horror anime to have it, but strangely enough, they don't capitalize on it. Yeah, now, actually, you know, it's funny because, like, you keep pointing out these things that um, I, I, like, bring up, and I'm just like, okay, now I'm going through all the war anime or anime that discusses war, I'm like, yeah, they just, they show dead bodies, but even, like, the bloodier parts, they sort of, like, muddle it with, like, a darker screen so you can't actually see. It's yeah, it's pretty much filtered or censored. Like, for instance, le- there are some exceptions, I will say. Like, for instance, Berserk is a fantastic exception oh. to that, where it's full of it. Yes. Or, like, Attack on Titan, it's full of oh, the yes. blood and gore. <laughs> yeah. But those only make it out because they have some somehow earned some special notoriety on broadcast to be able to do that. Versus, like, let's take, for example, Terraform Mars. It's a sci-fi about a bunch of people who go to distant planets in order to colonize themselves. Well, it turns out they're mutant cockroaches that they have to fight against, and they're tearing apart blood and limb to survive. That's a war right there, right? But they censor everything out with, like, very prominent black circles and black bars of censorship. So I'm like, so where does the boundary go at That's that point? That's really awkward to watch though. <laughs> like, um, it was yeah. I'm a I was a big fan of the manga when I when I was first reading it and then when I saw the anime I'm like I don't know how to feel about this. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm just I didn't watch it but now I'm like imagining literally like a bark black circle <laughs> across oh, it's, the screen. It's not even it's not even like you know like in hentai genres they have like that convenient shaft of light that hides oh, the, the yeah. boobs, right? Uh-huh. It's an actual like someone went into MS Paint and put a black <gasps> circle over something no. that was potentially gore like a torn off head. <laughs> It's not even, like, an artistically drawn or, like, filtered scene. It's literally a black circle. That is so funny, actually. (laughs) So, it's yeah. So, it's I guess, like, my question is more about what are broadcasting rights for violence and how is it permitted rather than can anime actually do this? Because it can. It it has all the qualms, but it's more of what can be shown on TV. 
That is interesting because it's like they do seem to strangely make an exception for horror anime because horror anime has never ever I like I don't even watch horror anime because once again I can't do the genre but I know for a fact that they have never backed away from the extreme like body gore slash violence that ensues. Of course, yeah. And so it's just like uh, an- Oh, no, keeping, sorry. Oh, I was like, it's just like, it makes, it does make me wonder where I'm like, why do they sort of get a, why do they sort of get a pass when in reality, I guess like, it sounds like the anime that we do think should give a pass are anime related to war and yet they're the ones who sort of back off from it. It's very interesting. Yeah. Um, okay, but what about you, Isabel, in regards to this, since, um, I feel like Agnes and I just went into a full-blown discussion without you. (laughs) I was wondering what I can add to it, and I feel like you guys definitely had some good points there about war anime. I haven't seen too many myself, um, but I do agree that in some of the scenes, or even, like, if an anime, like, like, for example, usually there's a, a protagonist who's a war hero or something, right? Even then, he's kind of, like, on top of the pile. Actually, I'm trying to think of Face Day Night. I feel like that that is kind of gore or pretty horrifying, I feel like, if I remember from, like, Fate Zero and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Fate Zero. Yeah, Fate Zero is the darker twist, thanks to Gen Urobuchi. So <laughs> that I can definitely see that. But the main series... Not yeah, so much, not so right? much until you not until you see Heaven's Feel. That's a different type of sto- horror, yeah. though. Different types of violence. Wait, Fate Stay's a horror? <laughs> well, no. Well, it's more of like Fate Stay Night. Heaven's Feel has a different kind of violence to it. Uh, but mm-hmm. some of the aspects that alludes to the fate, the main fate timeline from Fate Zero, can get a little bit horrifying. It kind of edges between like Cthulhu horror and kind of like scary kind of generalized yeah. horror yeah but it's not too bloody yeah it's not too bloody. i would say but it does nah. make me you have feel... illusions of those scenes yeah like certain scenes made me feel a little bit uh, kind of i guess scared really um not to yeah. mention i was watching it like at midnight or something when i saw that <laughs> <laughs> never that a good time. idea <laughs> Yeah, there are, like, some scenes of... This is kind of spoilery for people who haven't seen Fate Zero, but there's, like, notable scenes of, like, Irina getting... Uh, I, oh, sorry, not Irina. Iris Veal getting, like, her neck twisted, yeah. right? Sorry. Uh, <laughs> as an example of, like, violence. And it's pretty vivid. Like, you see, like, the eye... The the um, the um irises go in the back of her head and, like, her neck twists. Yeah. I, I, or, like... Um, see, this is this is why I'm weak. Like, you just describing it to me, I'm like... <laughs> There's also, my chair. there's also another scene i think in the fate series at least with the affordable adaptations of um rider's head like uh also twisting too oh, so that's another example yeah. the one where she's like strung up yeah there's that one i i don't know why this might just be a me thing honestly but um there is obviously extreme like blood just gushing out sort of uh, like violence that I can't stomach very well but then when it's not that when it's like more in the realm of like hurting people slash just uh, killing people but not like brutalizing in a way um, the ones that where people get killed like without any blood you know like you said snapping the neck or even like breaking someone's arm or something like that those are the ones that for some reason make me go ooh like when it happens <laughs> versus like the ones where like um, in um, 
in like a lot of shonen anime, you know, where their limbs get like chopped off or something like that, I'm just like, eh, they'll be Dejobu, <laughs> you know, sort of thing. <laughs> There's always a healer somewhere in the background. It'll be fine. Yeah, exactly. And I don't know yeah. why, like, obviously getting the limb cut off versus getting the, the arm like broken is worse. But then when I get the arm broken part where you hear that crack, I'm like, ooh. <laughs> and so, what does that mean, guys? <laughs> I guess it just means that none of us have actually experienced breaking a bone in our lives, so we find it naturally a bit fascinating versus a paper cut hurts a lot. Dude. <laughs> and that might be the illusion of just seeing blood. Oh my gosh, paper cuts hurt so much. Like, why? <laughs> <laughs> the, the range of the violence of anime goes from, like, blood spurting at the neck to, like, a paper cut. Paper You're cut. like, crap. <laughs> yeah, speaking of, like, unrealistic blood bleeding, um, to bring back, um, to bring back more middle school flashbacks, in Vampire oh, no. Night, the way that Yuki bleeds when she gets, like, bit or when she, like, cuts herself is, like, so much blood that I'm, like, Girl, I, I don't think this is normal. <laughs> like, and that's not even violence, or I don't think it considers violence. So, um, I mean, it's self harm? Question mark. I don't know that 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 whole thing is just mixed bag. I, I that, yeah. I opened Pandora's box again. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> no, you're fine. <laughs> so, um, Isabel, I guess, like, do you have a line on where you draw in regards to what you can accept as storytelling or, like, usage of violence in anime? Or um, are you, like, more adaptable um, to, like, the genres and, the um, and, like, the situation? Yeah, I usually like it if it's more with the story. Um, I definitely had a hard time. Like when Attack on Titan first came out, I had a hard time getting behind that because that was probably like the first most like violent like mainstream series that I saw. Um, but because of the story and how thrilling it is, it kind of kept me in there, kind of curious. Um, but I don't, yeah, I never see myself like turning away from the screen or anything because I know when I do that, that means yeah, it's not for me. Um, and maybe because I just don't choose anime like horror anime in the sense, or where there's just too much bloody. Um, you know, bloody violence or stuff like that. Um, and then I also tend towards violence in that gangs and kind of crime. So shows like 91 Days or more recently Ooh. Banana Fish. Those yes, 91 Days. <laughs> 91 Days um, feels so long ago, but yeah. <laughs> it wasn't, it's like what, two, three years ago? I yeah, think it wasn't three. too long ago. Yeah, it's pretty recent. Actually, Such a great show. If you guys like Bakuno or any of those like mafia type of shows, mm-hmm. definitely look into 91 Ugh, Days. But 91 Days was depressing flavor. at the end. I was like, I feel nothing inside me anymore. <laughs> like, I like yeah. that. <laughs> I liked that though. Okay, it was Not four years ago crisis. because it was in 2016, which tells you okay, how old ago. we are. So. <laughs> <laughs> or more like how long we've been watching anime to be able to remember all of this from anywhere in the earth. You guys don't get to say that because you guys are all younger than me, so not fair. (laughs) Okay, I'm sorry we brought that up. (laughs) Okay. Um, Yeah, no, that's a good one. Yeah, I think both 91 Days and Banana Fish, they kind of have that plot progression where there are deaths in a sense and they're always fighting, but it's kind of like, I don't know, it's definitely not as bloody as like, you know, some other crazy series. Uh, But it's also in a sense almost almost realistic in that it could happen um with guns and stuff so 
that's kind of my take. Uh, I mean, too. I have no doubt 91 Days, like, that plot line has happened historically because the mafia fights are brutal in history. So mm-hmm. um, so that wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. Um, okay, so Agnes, I know you mentioned that you watched Corpse Party. Uh, so you clearly watched horror anime. So what are your thoughts about the body horror or the extreme violence in these sort of horror anime? Uh, that's a good question. It really depends on my mood. Okay. If I'm really looking for something like just body horror, just gore, and like really not think about anything with plot, I'll watch something like Dororo Hedero, which actually has a decent plot by the end of the series, but it's like, I'm okay with it. Uh, another is another. Another is another. <laughs> <laughs> another is an, another example of using a lot of body gore and horror. And same thing with Higurashi, too. Uh, especially that infamous uh, nail-pulling scene that they do, uh, where it's I clearly am concerned. an act of violence. <laughs> what? I'm concerned you, with it, the scenes that you are describing. <laughs> okay, maybe we should put um, a filter, maybe we should put a, a conscious tag, because we are talking about pretty explicit stuff in violence. Um, but other than that, like, I'll just watch it and I'll be like, okay, yeah, that definitely will hurt. Yeah, that, that is going to make me kind of scared for the rest of the night. But other than that, like, that's, that's all there is to it. It's just to kind of satisfy this mind numbingness of it. If I really wanted to watch something horror or scary, I wouldn't watch something like a gore fest violence, but I'd watch something more paranormal, like Ghost Hunt. So you're not, so it sounds like that, um, violence, I, not... I'm trying to find the right word. Like, I almost said, like, violence doesn't bother you, but I don't think that's, like, what I'm trying to go for. It almost sounds like um, these sort of extreme, unrealistic violence in anime, they're just sort of, like, fillery for you? Like, is that... I think so. Maybe it's also because I've been so desensitized with anime for a long time. I've also been watching anime for pretty long time since like early 2000s right so a lot of this violence and even stuff from like the 1980s and 90s it doesn't really surprise me anymore it's kind of like oh okay that's cool maybe they can add more filtering or lighting to make it even look more like vivid or like it's a feast for the eyes kind of thing (laughs) Um, it's maybe maybe it's also because i'm an i keep mentioning this but it's also because maybe i'm an istp so i'm sensory so i like these kinds of like visualizations that keeps me rooted to the show but it doesn't necessarily mean that i'm an extremely violent person or anything like that it's just like oh it's kind of appealing so have you ever actually found a violent anime that was too much for you like has that ever happened before yeah have you ever felt squeamish about any of the shows or any of the scenes or something (sighs) not really i don't think i mean i've also i'm also i'm also working in like research labs and stuff so sometimes we deal with squeamish things that most people wouldn't normally come in contact with in the world. So I'm just kind of like, okay, whatever. It is what it is. That is so fascinating. Because I am I like, I think if we're on a scale, I obviously would be like the least able to handle the violence things. And then um, Isabel would be in the middle and then you would be like most able to handle it. And it's just fascinating. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. I took an anatomy class once, and then 
anatomy class, we had uh, we had to observe the corpses in the room, and I was like, I booked it after the first lab. I was like, I'm done. Oh, yeah. Cadavers are not everyone's favorite thing. By the way, for anybody who's interested, I'm not into cadavers, by the way. I don't really see the appeal of it. So just like an FYI. What's cadavers? <laughs> uh, it's the... It's the dead body that medical students or universities will look at. It's like kind of like a more official term for it. Yeah. It's usually used to, let's say, like teach medical students like different parts of the body and exposing it them to it rather than just calling it like a dead corpse. It's basically the same thing, but just used for different purposes. Yeah. So like, let's say you have a cadaver that is donated by, let's say, like the police or by the government for something. It's for like educational purposes. You're not supposed to experiment with it. You're not supposed to like do any kind of weird Frankenstein stuff on it. You just look at the body parts. Wait, both of you two have done that already? <laughs> no, I haven't. But apparently, Isabel, you've always seen cadavers <laughs> or like dead corpses before. Yeah. So that's interesting. I mean, thank you for saying cadavers. I for- totally forgot that word, obviously. Was it a human body then? Like, was it a human body, Isabel? Yes. So they'll have different body <gasps> parts in the room for you to observe where the nerves are, where the, you know, tissues might be. So, you know, it's educational. But for me, I personally couldn't handle it. I was just like, I like, you know, put like whatever it was, um, you know, gloves on and everything. And, and you know, also because they have to keep it in chemicals. The chemicals were another thing for me. So, oh, did it smell? Oh, yeah. Yeah. The formalin. That uh. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, if you can't stomach any of that, that's, that's the end of it. That's goodbye. Mm-hmm. I know one of my relatives, she was a psychiatrist and for the entirety of med school, she did not look at cadavers. She literally exited the room and only peeked from between like the doors. So she oh. didn't have to see the cadaver interact with it and took notes and passed her test. <laughs> No way. Nice. <laughs> yes, I did. She was so squeamish that she was like, I can't do this. So she literally booked out of the room and just observed from the sidelines. But she passed, right? Yeah, she passed. She's she's a licensed psychiatrist now, so she's fine. Okay. But that particular rotation, she was like, Nope, not no not for me. Oh man. I'm so glad I only took elective classes for psychology and I didn't actually try the major in it because if I had to take Oh, gosh. Like, no. (laughs) I would die. No. (laughs) I once felt fate seeing my own blood. Like, (laughs) and that wasn't even, like, a major blood moment. So, (laughs) Um, Gracie doesn't do well with violence or blood or anything. So. (laughs) And you know what? That's okay. That's totally okay. (laughs) Yeah, that's totally fine as well. Um, I'm just wondering, have you guys also seen uh, Tokyo Goal? Because I feel feel like that was a pretty Uh, fun idea. Ah, yes, yes. some censorship in the first like season that's a though. good anime for you to bring up for this though um continue isabel <laughs> i don't know i just thought the series for me i definitely liked the first season but maybe i accepted the fact that they were goals so in a sense for me that's kind of unrealistic um i think the closer it is to reality and the more blood there is that that's where i kind of draw my line and then but for tokyo goal itself i was interested in the story and the characters themselves and how I, I also because they're like growing you know, stuff out of their bodies or and then how the CCG kind of tries to counter that with their own thing. So um, I'm also sucker for those police versus like criminal stories or anything like, you know, which side is justice and which side they should be. Um, but yeah, other than that, like Tokyo Goal, I felt like was endless, endless fighting all the time. 
Um, I tried reading the manga, and at one point I had to stop because I actually could not tell who was killing who and what scene was happening there. <laughs> oh, no, and that's then, a bad so like, sign. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, okay, I'll watch the anime so I can actually see what happens, right? And then With the um, colors, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was really funny because I, I, you know, my sister also watched Tokyo Ghoul with me, or she watched that too, and she was okay. But when it came to season two, it wasn't Root of Eight, but the one after that. I just watched a random episode like hey do you want to watch this with me she's like okay yeah and she watched it with me and she's like half halfway through through the episode she's like this is too bloody I don't remember it being like this I need to leave (laughs) yeah I was like I didn't think it was that bad is it (laughs) I don't know if I had become desensitized throughout the series or that season the funny thing is I've watched anime for a long time as well I've been watching anime since like the late 90s and so because um, my my parents started early with me, but anyway, <laughs> um, that being said, like despite having watched so many like since a long long time ago, I still like struggle with it because um, I struggled with Tokyo Ghoul actually. I mm. I thought I didn't think it was like those um, five minutes that I seen of Elvin lead violence where it was just to me too over the top and like just way too much I didn't think it was that but even with the fact that I felt it fit in with the story I still felt squeamish when too much of it happened so um that I end up closing my eyes sometimes just to <laughs> just to listen instead and guess what they're talking about though there isn't really much guessing because usually they're just screaming so mm-hmm. um you hear like the splish splish like sound effects of like blood or something yeah in the corner. Yeah. yeah and so and i'm like okay cool cool violence is happening <laughs> you know i like i don't have to see it right now um I don't know, like, I, I guess I'm just more sensitive to it, and I it might have to do with the fact that I really, really despise conflicts, and so, um, and, like, obviously, uh, not just, like, physical conflict, but, like, um, non-violent slash emotional conflicts, like, ever since I was a kid, I hated them, and uh, I can't, I, it took me a while to learn how to properly debate with friends, because I almost felt like if I disagreed with them, it was going to end up in a fight. And then the the thought of that was so scary that I would just agree to whatever people said or whatever people thought. And so, um, so I kind of wonder if like my like extreme aversion towards towards conflicts as a whole sort of feeds into why I'm like more sensitive towards the violence because violence is essentially a conflict. And do you feel like it's going to escalate into something physical? Because I, I don't know if, if you think, like, if you were going to fight with your friends, it's going to turn into something uh, where you might, I don't know, end up slapping each other's faces or something. I hope you don't do that with your friends. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I just I just don't like I just don't like disagreements. My mom would tell me this story um, back when I was in daycare. So before I was even in kindergarten. She once picked me up and I was crying. And the reason why was because two of my friends were arguing with each other. Um, It had nothing to do with me. Both of them individually were perfectly fine with me. It was just with each other that they were fighting together on or fighting with. And I was crying. They weren't even crying. It was me. And I was crying, begging them to stop fighting. And even the parents slash teachers um, were kind of confused about it because they were like, because 
it was like it it's not involving you like it really like genuinely there wasn't anything in the fight that those two were having that was involving me but for some reason it hit me so much harder than either of those two because they were fine the next day and I was still scared about it the next day so I don't know I um I tend to like I said I avoid conflicts like a plague um which I have gotten a lot better at but I think it's just like my sort of aversion from that kind of fed it fed into like sort of what I'm able to handle in regards to violence because at the end of the day it's just another symptom of a greater conflict and it's and I'm just like uh you know sort of thing I don't know I like my conflicts resolved this is why I like animes that end so (laughs) (laughs) but at the same time you like political intrigue and drama within the circles of anime whether it be like nobility clan houses like scheming against each other mm-hmm. or things like let's say in Legend of the Galactic Heroes like two great strategists trying to one up the other right so in that case i guess like you're more better if it was in a conversation or like people trying to one up each other than a physical fight confrontation right yes yes so it doesn't really apply as much i guess yeah no i don't I'm just trying to find a reasoning is all it is because it's like I do know like I have known ever since I was a kid that I was less okay with violence than others. Um, Fullmetal Alchemist like not Brotherhood but Fullmetal Alchemist when it was um, when it was airing 2003 I think um, it took me a while to sort of get used to the violence that was being shown there and Fullmetal Alchemist is not by any long shot bad you know, for mm-hmm. using oh, yeah. violence. Mm-hmm. In fact, and in fact, it is actually quite reasonable, but even something reasonable took me a while to sort of like get used to and stomach. So I could just be weak, guys. That could just be the answer to everything. <laughs> um. So in this case, that brings up another question that do you think all anime needs to be unnecessarily violent like let's say for example like tokyo ghoul and attack on titan to prove their point oh because as you said like there we have a wide range of audiences that can that have different thresholds you have me who can tolerate a lot of blood guts and gore doesn't really care much about it uh, but likes plot and then you have you guys who are more on the squeamish side and not as comfortable so for these animes that really capitalize on the gore and horror do you think if you could take away that element with the story change or would it make you enjoy the story even more oh um i that's a good question for sure it's hard to even imagine it um so like let's say let's let's put it this way. Attack on Titan use in the first episode, the Titans emerge out of the wall, right? And the last thing Aaron sees before he has to evacuate is his mom getting eaten by Titan. Would you, let's say, if it was censored or somehow kind of like manipulated where you don't you hear the illusion of Aaron's mom being eaten rather than seeing it visually, would that affect your viewing of Attack on Titan? Would it change anything? I almost feel like if I don't see it, but I just hear it, it's it's more impactful for me because then okay. I could I could still imagine just how horrifying it is because sound because sound is a very strong sense, and so, um, but without having like the sort of disgust 
that turns in my stomach that would otherwise make it a little more negative. So it would probably, that particular situation would probably enhance it for me. I don't know about you, Isabel. Yeah, it's good that you brought it up because when I was, I think that also came up to me when I first watched that show or that first episode, I thought, yeah, can't I just, you know, hear the sound instead and look at a building or have, you know, have the scene cut to a building or a shadow, that's fine as well. Or, you know, um, I don't know if that would make me enjoy the show more because it does stand out in a sense that, you know, these types of scenes are what define Attack on Titan. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't think it would change too much because my imagination can run wild or, mm-hmm. you know, just hearing the sounds and uh, kind of knowing what happens. So I think if you get the point across, I think it's fine. It really depends on how it's displayed. But would it change my, you know, thoughts on the show? I don't think so. I think it might still be the same. Yeah. Okay, so then that means that the violence doesn't necessarily become the main crux of the show, but is more of just supplementary. Yes. Then. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, because I'm trying to think of like, would Higurashi change? Would Corpse Party change if we just take out the blood and gore? I feel like Which, those would, though. For be- those, you would. Yeah. yeah. For those, you would. Because it's part of the mystery and the horror mm-hmm. of like the small town mentality or the uh, the closed the close setting of your your classroom and all all the people that you know are turning against you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's that is different. Yeah. So to uh, bring in another question, actually, um, something that just came to me right now. Um, So I kind of want to bring some other cultural sort of aspects here. So a big problem of violence in American media is, I'm sure, as you two know, um, is that this sort of extreme violence tends to be um, taken out on female characters and slash or taken out on people of color. And so... I am curious on whether you've ever seen or believe that also happens in anime, because um, which is, you know, a lot different because Japan is very homogenous. And as a result, a lot of their characters, a lot, not all uh, of their characters tend to be homogenous as well. But um, has there ever been a, you know, a particular anime series or a particular thought that these sort of extreme violence that we were talking about tend to be placed more on people of color slash um, female characters than, uh, you know, the typical male protagonist? That's a really good question. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I actually of, don't know how to answer that. Yeah, I'm trying to think of shows that might have come to mind, but not, not really. The only thing I can say in regards to female violence is not so much rooted in physical, abusive domestic violence, but more so in sexual violence, which is part of a different episode, as I understand. But I feel like Japanese media tends to harp a lot on that. Mm-hmm. Um, with some, there might be some shows that have exceptions that I can't think off the top of my head right now. But those, it's more rampant with the sexual violence. As for people of color, that's really debatable. Japan generally, at least in terms of a lot of big name anime series, they don't feature a lot of people of color. Right. So it's really hard Mm -hmm. to actually judge it. However, there are, Japan does have, did have a streak of homo, uh, not homophobia, I'm sorry, uh, xenophobia, Mm -hmm. especially by the end of World War II. So it's not to say that Japan has had its own extreme acts of violence against people of color or people of different 
minority ethnicities or people who are considered half. It's just generally not shown in Japanese anime media where everyone's just Japanese. Right. And you don't have like these racial conflicts of, let's say, the only racial conflict I can think of would be like Kids on the Slope, where one of the two main characters, it's not. I'm not saying that it's violence, but it's a form of using racial prejudice and turning it into violence. One of the main characters is actually half Japanese and half American, which earns him a lot of the scrutiny from the small town that they live in because it was um, it was heavily affected during World War II. Aww. So that's an example of that, but it's not necessarily anything gruesome or horrific or just downright bad in terms of ethics and morals. At least from what I've seen. Most of the Japanese tend to stick with pretty vanilla type of themes of uh, a fantasy world where they can do a lot of bloodshed. Or like a typical like Yakuza setting where everyone's just Japanese or like Chinese in a triad and then they just like outright kill each other. Or Something in, like you know, 91 days, uh, European or Italian, but, you know, yeah. everyone is. Yeah, so. everyone yeah is exactly. Like mm-hmm. if Banana Fish had a decent type or you know they had you know the Chinese Chinatown and kind of also I, I guess it was also based in America so kind of their uh, their view of how America is like and then putting a Japanese person in there and how they see that I think it was pretty accurate though in a sense when I saw it I was I could definitely see how um, you know LA would be like or New York or something like that and shows like those um, but yeah, otherwise, like Agnes said, a lot of the settings in anime are usually far removed in fantasy or they're all within the same ethnicity or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. I guess like there's also another. Th- uh, OK, now that I think about it, I was thinking about police brutality. OK, because that's also another example oh, of anime yes. of, of violence in general. In mm-hmm. America, there is a very, very contentious topic. Yes. About police brutality. Uh, I'm not going to say my own political views because that's not the point of this podcast. Right. <laughs> but Japan, you could say that Japan doesn't have police brutality, but they do show signs of it in Japanese media. There's one movie that I really liked, uh, Wolf's Brigade, Jinro, where it shows a version of police brutality in the form of a militia. Okay. Where they oh, okay. have MPs basically armed to the teeth and slaughtering civilians. Like that. That's an example of anime violence, but used in a more government sci-fi political setting that I think has a point to it of what happens when you have like a suppressed group of people trying to rise up against the government, which works out in favor. But for some people who are more squeamish, it may not sit very well with them. But it is a form that Japan, it is a form of violence media that Japan is not afraid to use. Okay, that's really interesting. Um, was that, okay, now that you mentioned that movie, was that based on a real life story or, um, was that made up? I believe it's actually based off of a series of Japanese live action movies originally. Okay. It was like a three part movie. It was kind of like a B rated series sort of, but the animated movie got a lot more success and recognition. Uh, but then again, the movie was written back in like the 1980s and 90s. So then back then gore and horror and just this explosion of violence media was a little bit more acceptable than it is now okay Uh, so that's interesting so it was so in japan it was violence was more accepted as a term as a plot device i think so i remember there's uh an interview i think it's with reiki right the 
the the light novel writer of Sword Art Online. Oh, okay. Where he talks about oh. um, uh, he talks about sexual violence, but he also mentioned that in the days when he was, I believe it was him. It could be another light novel artist. So please, uh, so please correct me on that. He commented that in his days when he was writing. Or when he was like being exposed to all this literature media, there's a lot of violence in them that can help. That probably supports why there's so much violence in anime media because it's influenced from things in the older days that was written by other people. I think it's interesting because I almost feel like it's flipped in the U.S. Because I definitely think older films in the U.S. Because films are the main form of media in the U.S. before it shows tv shows specifically became really popular but i feel like definitely when you look at older films the violence is so 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 much more understated than the violence we see now in even pg-13 sort of movies and so much less rated r and so i just i think it's interesting how it's like sort of a flip and yeah, I'm now yeah, I'm, I can see that. I'm now I'm really curious as to why it's a flip. So this is always what I go into. <laughs> it's like, why no, did culture a, change and that why is it opposite from the other one? So <laughs> no, that's a that's a really good point, uh, because America currently has like an explosion of violence that we don't know where it comes from, really. There's no origin or anything. It just happens. But in Japan, where it's so rampant in media, but it's so minimized in its actual culture that it's kind of like jarring to see. Well, now I'm going to have to do my own research. So thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Um, so, uh, Isabel, I know you mentioned banana fish in regards to like the more racial sort of, or like race being a more particular uh, topic in regards to uh, an anime. And I actually got my question because of banana fish. So I remember there was a review episode for Banana Fish on Anime News Network. I don't remember which episode it was, and unfortunately, I don't remember the writer, so I can't credit him or her. Um, but okay. I specifically remembered something that stood out to me in their review was that they didn't like the violence that was being shown towards um, oh, what's his name? He was the he was the uh, he he was the leader of the shorter. No, not shorter, shorter, not shorter, not no. shorter. Um, he was the leader of the black member, like the uh the black gang members. He was really cool. Um, oh gosh, I forgot his name. I cannot believe I forgot his name. I have to look it up real quick. Um, <laughs> let's see, I want to say it was Kane, but maybe I'm very wrong. I think Kane. it is Kane actually. Yeah, Kane Blood. Yes, yes. Leader okay, Kane. So his. Kane. So his gang sort of got caught in the mix, and um, he ended up allying himself with um, Ash. And um, after he allied himself with Ash, some of his gang members, unfortunately, were very brutally murdered. And so the Anime News Network episode review was very unhappy about that particular moment because they felt like... um, that was just another instance of um, unnecessary brutality towards people of color. And so that really stood out to me because, um, first of all, the thought of that never occurred to me because I actually mm-hmm. thought it made sense in the story considering like he just allied himself with essentially in the bad guy's eyes, the enemy. So, of course, they're going to go after them. Um, but then it also did make me think where I was just like, I totally recognize the fact that in U.S. media there are um, there are a disproportionate violence towards people of color, 
But I'm like, but it made me think, I'm like, is that a thing in anime media? Because I'm thinking of it in anime media and nothing really comes to mind. And so that's sort of where my question came from. And now I'm sort of curious is that um, because you guys were having trouble answering it and I completely agree. The reason why I ask is because I can't really think of it aside from the sexual violence towards uh, female characters, but not really physical violence towards female characters. And so um, and so in this particular instance with Banana Fish with Kane's uh, members getting brutalized because of him allying with Ash, like, did you think it was an unnecessary moment like that review episode particularly said? Or um, would you say, or are you guys more okay with it in context of the series? Yeah, I think it was definitely for me. I think it was in the context of the series. I think it worked out. I think that thought definitely didn't occur to me. That's definitely, you know, a good um, argument as well if um, other people saw it that way. But for me, um, I thought it was important in a sense. For me, I think it was more like loyalty and then kind of justice. Like Kane tried to stay on Ash's side and then mm-hmm. try to ally with what he thought was correct. Uh, maybe it was at the cost of his members as well. And his members even told him, you know, why are we doing this? So it wasn't like it was completely accepted, uh, you know, across the board um, with the characters themselves. But right. for me, yeah, it definitely didn't seem like something um that was racial or, or, you know, putting that, putting them down in a sense in, in the show. Okay. And what about you, Agnes? I don't think I watched up to that point. What? Kane. <laughs> I think I stopped. I accidentally stopped halfway into Banana Fish. I know what happens at the end though, but I stopped. What? Halfway. <laughs> um, I think it was, it was just weird. It's just more like the broadcasting times, and I accidentally dropped off from watching the show. Oh, so I actually haven't no. completed it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I have dashed your hopes, Gracie. I know Banana Fish is very, very dear to your heart, and I I edited your review article, so I know. <laughs> you also edited <laughs> my other article talking about what a profound impact Banana Fish made, too. So. <laughs> that, right. Yes, I did. <laughs> my memory is just out the window at this point. <laughs> Um, in regards to the racial violence, I can see why the Anime News Network writer was very conflicted mm-hmm. at that. But it's also, unfortunately, a very realistic approach ah, to a lot of... you. The thing is, it's like, you can show it in media, but you shouldn't shy away from it, too. Mm-hmm. There's like this weird threshold that I think... It's it can serve as an expository piece of media to say, look, these are minority people who are being oppressed. They have they're forced. They end up joining gangs because they have no way to go, no person to rely on. And as a result, they get caught up in these conflicts that they themselves themselves don't instigate. But it's racial. It's racial institutions. Right. So you can argue, I guess, like it's neither bad nor good. Mm -hmm to include that because it is an actual depiction of what it's like in America with many of these um, these minority gangs, especially those of color. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you see, and I'm glad that Banana Fish actually does its research of the variety of different gangs and the different cultures and ethnicities they are part of. And it's not just centered around black people. It's not just centered around like Italian Americans. There's a wide variety of them that we just aren't aware of. But they are they do exist in big cities like Los right. Angeles and New York. 
Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, Chinese. The Chinese mafia in the U.S. was very, very present for a long time for the exact reasons that you just said. Was um, the, the racism towards Chinese people during that time was very, very strong because of the influx of Chinese immigrants, and so right. the mafia literally formed because of the racism because that was the only way they felt like they could be protected in the society that seems like, you know, that seems set against them. So, especially mm-hmm. in that time period. Um, yeah. I really liked what you said about, like, where you set the threshold. Where I wish I could repeat it word for word, but you were saying about how, like, media shouldn't shy away from it. Um, or, can you repeat the exact thing you said? <laughs> my, brain doesn't even, my brain doesn't even remember. Oh, it, so. great. Okay, but, <laughs> but essentially what you I said, yeah. It was, I believe it was something like, Media, you should not, like, you you should, like, talk about it, but you shouldn't shy away from it. Right, right. And yeah. so it's, like, sort of uh, setting that threshold um, thing of, like, media, like, um, shouldn't shy away from very uncomfortable facts that happen. And so with that in mind, um, I kind of want to bring it back full circle to our beginning topic with uh, war anime and how it's funny because Japanese war anime tend to shy away from it. You know, that's what it made me think of is when you pointed out the fact that ironically war animes are the ones that sort of tone down the violence instead of actually showing it. But I almost feel like war animes should be the ones who truly, truly do show it just so people can see how horrifying and like terrible and debilitating it is. Poor people mm-hmm. and so almost oh, definitely yeah it's it, it that's also another one where it's like it's fortunate that they don't dive into too much of the details because it's absolutely traumatic right all the records say that there's a reason why when people when soldiers came out of world war one they became the lost generation was because they were so traumatized by the event but again we shouldn't try to glorify war as something that's just like oh you get shot in the head and there's blood everywhere no there are missiles there are loads of other weapons that actually don't kill you first but debilitate you so much that you're damaged psychologically too Mm -hmm. and the entire environment around you is completely obliterated into a wasteland um but it's probably just because japanese media likes to use war as a background rather than an actual active setting oh Uh, most of the characters that we see are like veterans of a war or people who have been affected by war. So, for instance, you have the two examples of, like, Abigail from Great Pretender, who is a victim of the war. Right. And, um, of one, the bombings yeah. in Baghdad. And then you have uh, Violet from Violet Evergarden, who is a soldier from the aftermath of the war, right? Mm-hmm. But you don't actually see the conflict of the war in its entirety at all. Even Golden is, Kamui, yeah. like, it's like all the characters are veterans who survived the yeah, war. exactly. Um, though, yep. I will argue Golden Kamui is a little different because they do show good extensive parts of the war, like, when they're fighting, when they do, when they have literal war flashbacks. Um, mm-hmm. And I think Golden Kamui, um, 
actually doesn't really shy away too much from the gore. No, Noda is very, well, aside from other things that Noda doesn't shy away from, <laughs> the sexual side, which we won't talk about in this podcast because it's very not rated PG. It's very interesting. Um, <laughs> Let's just put it that way. He's a very eccentric man. <laughs> you, read any of his, you read any of his transcribed interviews, you will see how much of a very strange man he is, and I don't know how, how his wife stands him. <laughs> 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 to put it that way. But Noda definitely does not... Sh- Noda does his research. He went to Hokkaido. He does his research. And he illustrates that very perfectly in his manga to tell people, like, this is what it looks like. This is not, like, some kid's play. And it's and he's right. The Russo-Japanese War was a, a, a huge turning event, but it's also done... What was it? The war was in 1908. This is the era where weapons have started to evolve so quickly that when you go on the, on the war front, you start to see things more horrifying than your brain could even process. And that's what I really liked about Golden Kamui is that Noda doesn't shy away from that. And he's like, this is the facts. This is how it is. Mm -hmm. And you can't change that. Unfortunately, though, the broadcast of the anime does tone down a lot on the blood and gore and violence. So you just kind of feel like, oh, yeah, he's a veteran. But that's it. What's funny is even with you telling me the anime tones it down, I still feel like it goes a little further than most other anime that has, like, war flashback characters. You know what I mean? That's true. That is true. Yeah. Which tells you Uh, how big of a gap it is, or is telling me right now how big of a gap it is between Mm -hmm. what happens and um, what's being portrayed currently. Right. Right, right. So my final question to you, then, in regards to... um, I mean, we were originally talking about it as a storytelling device, but now I guess, like, more specifically with war um, war storytelling, which I'm totally okay with because that is very relevant, unfortunately. Um, do you think it is possible to, uh, to accurately portray violence of war without, without sort of fetishizing it? Because... That's a big argument that a lot of people tend to have is, um, for example, um, to bring in an American movie, Hacksaw Ridge was um, criticized by a few or, or not a few, but some critics for supposedly glorifying the violence on the battlefield. And uh, what's interesting is that there are a lot of people who disagree and say, like, they think it shows a, they show it shows how horrifying it is. It is absolutely not glorifying it. And so. Um, since there's sort of this two sides of the coin where it's like if you increase the violence, you either make it more horrifying or you glorify it for certain people. Do you think it's ever possible to be able to portray violence without risk of glorifying it? Actually, you can. Okay. I feel that... So let's take the example of Fullmetal Alchemist mm-hmm. with the Ishvalin conflict. Oh, yes. The Ishvalin conflict as you would see in both the anime and manga, isn't as horror or or gory as compared to something that you would see in like Golden Kamui or showing any like disgusting body parts that's been blown out of proportion or mutilated, mutilated by, you know, guns, flames, alchemy or whatever. But it's the emotional attachment that the characters have that is affected by this war that I think really hammers it down like this is not something to fetishize. This is something that many of the characters that we root for and we support for or even that we hate 
have turned so deranged and so mentally disturbed by war, which I think is widely different from just plastering images of dead bodies all over the place and just a lot of blood and like intestines spilling out as a part of fetishizing fetishizing war. Um, so which is why, like, I guess Violet Evergarden hits that concept home without the use of violence. Mm-hmm. Because it's a story about violence. People are affected by the war. It could be your loved ones. It could be your um, it could be your brother and sister. It could be your friends. But it's the emotional connection that we have to it that really screws us over. Mm-hmm. That makes it feel that it's more poignant rather than something that we can be like, oh, wow, look at the blood spray into the sky kind of thing. Yeah, and you definitely don't want to... Um, I feel like, for me, films definitely shouldn't focus on that too much more of the emotional aspect or maybe um, protagonists of the series who might have different thoughts about it are definitely more important than the war itself or, I don't know, methods of killing. And uh, you definitely want to protect, I mean, definitely kids shouldn't be watching those types of things, which is why we have ratings. Um, But for other people, yeah, like you said, in in real life, it's a real thing. Um, Good examples between North Korea and South Korea. I've seen some dramas about it. they're very serious. They're it's not they're not kidding, right? And a lot of and most of the guys in Asia at least they still have to serve you know military uh, for two years or so. So for them it's very real, and um, they always have to be ready to go if they have to. And so definitely highlighting their feelings about it, and then also the family. I feel like it's definitely would make for a better movie than just something that's straight up maybe like just endless fighting for thirty or 40 minutes or more, um, which I feel like it doesn't really make sense either. You don't want to be watching someone fighting for so long. I don't know what um, what could be so thrilling about that either. And because we also focus on, you know, like the shows like Legend of the Galactic Heroes, or maybe, I forget, like some, there's some Chinese stuff, maybe Kingdom as well, I'm not sure, but like, I know at oh, least- Oh, Kingdom. Yeah, that's a good example too. Yeah, so kind of uh, the two sides of battle, like they're, they- uh, each side have, has their own reason why they're fighting. And I think that's most important, the reason why we're fighting. And this is why we have tried to avoid, you know, uh, global war ever since we had, you know, World War One or World War Two, is that we don't want these conflicts in our world, hopefully. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, that hits another good point about, like, there's a struggle that is need- that needs to be pronounced, that needs to be said in these films. And nothing, like... Hacksaw Ridge, which is glorifying war, but potentially kind of supporting the idea like America wins all wars. There's always mm-hmm. a victory at the end of the day. But to really show that it doesn't matter what the victory is, war is war and it affects people in a very negative way, which is why like the whole concept of like don't shy away from it is so important in violence in anime. Um, I guess like another good example to support that would be like Black Lagoon, where the main character used to be a salary man, got involved in shady business and ends up with a group of mercenaries. He's quickly shown that amidst all of the rough and tumble and everything, there is a darker side to the business and that they're all struggling to survive and the violence that they have they use is a means to an end. It's not something to glorify, it's not something to be like, haha, I have the biggest gun in the industry or like I have the sharpest eye, I can kill everybody. No, these people are like seriously damaged by war and violence, and that's what the main story should be about. Other than the fact that there's cool action scenes, of course, but you know. Hey, um, I think that wraps up our discussion pretty well, honestly, even though it's a bit of a somber note, but I think it is an important discussion to be made and had. 
And I also um, might as well, since this wasn't my intention, but um, might as well also thank all the veterans who have served um, for um, all their time and effort and um, energy put into keeping us safe for these sort of things. That concludes our Girl Taku for today. I hope you guys enjoyed the discussion we had about violence in anime and storytelling and, you know, taking a step further. But that's what we usually always do. And I hope we'll still see you guys next time. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye.